for Monday, April 27th, 2020. This is Did You Wash Your Hands? We're a podcast from WABE, answering the questions everyone's asking during the COVID-19 pandemic. I'm health reporter Sam Whitehead. Today, scientists at Emory University have developed a test to find people previously infected by the coronavirus. They hope those individuals have developed some form of immune protection against it. We do believe the test that we have is robust enough to detect COVID-19 antibodies, but we don't know yet how protective those antibodies are. Dr. Anish Mehta from the Emory University Vaccine Center joins me to talk about what antibody testing can show us and what it can't. That's next. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts. You love free, and at Ameris Bank, so do we. That's why we're proud to offer worry-free, hassle-free Ameris Bank free checking. Manage your money your way with convenient access to digital, mobile, and telephone banking, all with no monthly service fee or minimum balance requirements. At Ameris Bank, we're with you. For more information or to open an account, visit our local bankers in person or online at amerisbank.com slash free checking. Other fees such as overdraft fees may apply. Ameris Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. In the early days of the coronavirus pandemic, there was a lot of focus on testing sick people with COVID-19. But as time has passed, there's been an increased attention on testing to see who has already had the disease. The idea is to identify individuals who have overcome an infection in the past and might have developed some kind of immune protection. Researchers at Emory University here in Atlanta have developed such a test that they've been running for a little while now. Dr. Anish Mehta has worked on the project, and he joins me now for more. Dr. Mehta, thanks for taking the time to talk with me. It's a pleasure to be here with you, Sam. Thank you for inviting me. To start us off, do I have it right that this is kind of the real value of the kind of antibody tests that y'all have developed here at Emory University? The antibody tests that we are developing and the ones that we will continue to develop will have multiple um, functions to help us, help our patients, and also help us understand the disease and the outbreak as it has affected our community. Um, I think initially we we're trying our best to test all patients that may have had symptoms with the coronavirus. But as you know, in early March, we didn't have a lot of availability of the diagnostic test. And therefore, we know there are a lot of people with mild illnesses from coronavirus that were never tested. So one of the features of this test, it will allow us to go back to those individuals and let them know if they had coronavirus or not. And talk to me about the real value of that knowledge here. I think there's probably a lot of personal anxiety that you could alleviate for individuals who maybe thought they might have had COVID and now you can say, yes, we know for a fact you did. What is the value of that information to both that individual and maybe the the greater public community? So first of all, uh, for our individual patients, we would love to give them a diagnosis if that's something that they're seeking. And therefore, this test may help us do that for several of our patients. 
Secondly, as we learn more about the disease, we may learn that there are some consequences to having this infection. Some things that we've already seen are these patients are at increased risk for developing blood clots. Um, there may be some impact to their overall immune system. And therefore, if we know who's had it, we know who we need to monitor for these consequences if we do see them. I should be clear that we don't know of any long-term consequences of a COVID-19 infection, but it is something we're interested in learning more about. There's a question in the in the air right now, especially here in Georgia, about when is it appropriate for us to maybe remove some of the shelter-in-place measures that were put in place earlier in the fight against this virus. Is this kind of testing, does it give us the knowledge that we can, say, make those decisions better about how we can open up and, and maybe who can participate in that? The antibody test is one uh, piece of data that I think will be important uh, amongst many other pieces of data for our public health officials to make these determinations and recommendations to our government officials as to when to start to change some of the mitigation and containment measures. The antibody test tells us when pe that people have been exposed or have had the infection in their body. What we don't know yet is, does it tell us how well they're protected and how long they're protected? That's information that we are working on, um, not only here at Emory, but at multiple institutions around the country. Once we have that information, that will be very useful, I think, to our public health officials, knowing who's protected and something we might be able to follow um, over time. It also gives our public health officials to understand the breadth, you know, how widespread this outbreak was in, the, in our communities. As we go through and are able to test more and more people who may have had it in the past, we'll know how much of our uh, Georgia population the populations around the country have been affected and who is immune and who is not immune. Knowing how many people have been exposed to this, didn't have a severe course of disease and also recovered, that's also a value when we're figuring out how deadly this disease is, correct? If, if we know how many people have gotten it, that kind of changes the denominator that we're looking at in this fraction of how many people who, who died versus how many people who had it. We do not have good denominator data here in the United States yet as to who's been infected with uh, or had COVID-19. And that will help us understand the percentage of people with COVID-19 that need to be hospitalized. But also importantly, these mortality statistics will come far more accurate once we are able to test a wider population. And as you mentioned, once we have good denominator data, all the other statistics will be uh, greatly uh, improved as far as their accuracy. On that question of immunity, you, you made the point a second ago that we still don't know what having these antibodies in your system, what kind of protection that might give an individual. How do scientists like yourself even start to figure out the answer to that question? How do we eventually find out what kind of immunity someone might have? We believe that the antibodies we're detecting probably relate to some level of protection, but we don't know that yet. We need to prove that. And one of the ways that we do that is look for something called neutralizing activity. We will take the plasma from our patients and or serum from our patients and look for the ability for these antibodies to quickly bind to the virus and help the immune system kill it off and remove it from our bodies. That neutralizing activity, we believe, is the key to good protection, good immunity. 
Now that we've established that even once we can detect these antibodies, we really don't know what kind of protection or not it, it confers, it seems like that maybe puts a, a pretty big asterisk next to this idea of immunity, if we don't know what that immunity looks like. We do believe we, uh, the test that we have will, is robust enough to detect COVID-19 antibodies, but we don't know yet how protective those antibodies are. As we continue to improve the test and get more information, we'll be able to actually give that specific information to our patients and also give that information to our scientists and um, the public health agencies that are interested in it. Lay out for me how this test has been utilized so far at, at Emory. Who have you been giving it to? How many times has it been run? And, and kind of how has it been going so far? So Sam, we've had this test up and running at um, Emory Healthcare for about a week now. And we primarily started using the test in our patients to one, understand patients who had symptoms of COVID-19 um, previously, but we were not able to get the nasal swab on them to make that diagnosis. And also uh, patients that have now recovered from COVID-19 to see if they have actually developed antibodies. So we've been using it in patients in that way. And more recently, um, we have been able to offer the test to our um, healthcare uh, workers and employees that are interested in understanding whether they've had an exposure or not. That data will be, again, used by our epidemiologists to really understand sort of how uh, COVID-19 has impacted not only our healthcare communities, but also our uh, communities at large. It's one thing to develop a test. It's another thing to ensure that that test works in the way you want it to. With this original COVID test that we saw developed by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, there were issues validating that test and that actually set back testing in this country by a number of weeks. So walk me through what the validation process has been for y'all to make sure that this test, one, is safe and is actually giving you the information you want it to that you're not dealing with kind of false negatives or false positives. The test that we have here at Emory has undergone a robust validation process. The test was developed at the Emory Vaccine Center with pretty robust validation there. But before we bring it into the clinical lab, we have to do additional validations uh, per a process that's dictated by the FDA. So our, our pathologist, our colleagues in the laboratory at Emory Medical Labs took samples from several patients uh, that were known to have COVID-19. In addition, they took several uh, samples from healthy people and, and patients prior to, well prior to the COVID-19 outbreak. And using both of that, what we call positive controls and negative controls, they really found a, a test that was sensitive and specific, meaning that we have very low rates of false positives and very low rates of false negatives. You say very low rates. Can you put numbers on that for me? I mean, we've been seeing reporting recently that some of these PCR tests to actually determine whether a patient currently has COVID are seeing false negative rates of potentially uh, 30%. That's almost one in three tests yielding a false negative. So, so, so what are y'all specific numbers there? Sam, our numbers um, for the antibody test are uh, both the false uh, positive rate and the false negative rate are well below 10%. We believe the test is giving very accurate results to our patients, and we don't use any test result just by itself. So again, a clinician uses the test result 
in relation to what's going on with the patient and what's been going on with the patient as we discuss the result with that individual. I don't really know if listeners understand how much the FDA's process for approving something like a diagnostic test has really changed as of late. Normally, something like this has to go through a very extensive review. But what the FDA has done is relied on a rule, essentially, in an emergency situation, we can sidestep some of those those processes. So are you applying for that kind of approval here, the emergency use authorization? Do you have any, do you have any sense of that? The validation process that we bring any test through in a hospital-based laboratory is very robust, and we want to continue to have that robust testing uh, for all of our tests that we offer patients. So regardless if there is a pandemic or not, we want to make sure that we're offering the right test and the right results to our patients. And so this test has undergone the same process that we would bring any laboratory-developed test through, um, and that follows the uh, not only the principles that the FDA has outlined, but really the principles that we use every day in laboratory medicine, because it is critically important that we give accurate results to our patients. So this test has not received FDA approval at this point? No, it, uh, the test has been submitted for FDA evaluation at this point in time. A question on probably a lot of people's minds right now is, how can I get one of these tests? What is your sense of with this test you've developed, how quickly it might be able to, say, get into the hands of the general public. And you're not the only one developing something like this. So maybe if it's not just Emory's test, when is your prediction of when this kind of serological antibody test might be made widely available? That's a great question, Sam. We, we really need to make our antibody test available to a broad audience who needs this information. Um, there are lots of patients out there in many communities that really need this information. And we are developing a test. We'll continue to improve our test. We actually know colleagues around the country that have also developed really good tests, um, and they will be offering those to their uh, communities as well. So I would predict as we will expand our ability to offer right now, we can do a few hundred. We will hopefully be able to do thousands um, in the near future. Also around the country, we'll see many labs, many hospitals be able to offer that. So I think in May um, and going into June, we'll see much more availability of these antibody tests, and they will actually be refined further and get uh, more information to our patients as we move into May and June as well. As serological testing, as antibody testing becomes more and more available, there is this question about what kind of potential status people with immunity are going to be conferred with. Dr. Anthony Fauci, um, who is on the president's coronavirus task force, said recently that conversations were being had at the federal level about issuing people some kind of certificate to say, I have tested positive for these antibodies. I have some form of, of immunity. What are your thoughts on that idea specifically? And would you be worried that immunity becomes some other kind of status indicator that really gives certain people power that other people don't have? If we have information on protective immunity, how well protected people are and what that impact is to our communities, then I think that information can be used to um, help open up uh, workplaces, help people get back to work. 
but I would not want to see it being used to discriminate against people and, and discriminate against employment. And I don't think anybody is proposing to do that in the scientific community. I think what we as scientists and clinicians want to do is give this information so our public health officials can make the best decisions uh, for our uh, communities that is possible. It sounds like something out of a science fiction book, but is that a crazy idea to think that immunity would confer some kind of power upon people? I mean, I, I imagine that you've, you've thought of that. I can only speak to science and, and, and not to science fiction. Um, I think that the science, if we listen to the science, it will take us to the right answers for our communities. It is critical that we listen to the scientists and our public health officials and, and really use their analyses to make these decisions. Um, there are a lot of other forces that are critically important and, and beyond my scope of understanding, but I do fundamentally believe that the scientific data uh, that our public health officials use to make these decisions will guide us to the right answers. Again, we want to use the test in a positive way, and we don't want to see these tests negatively impact any uh, members of our community. Dr. Anish Mehta is with the Emory University Vaccine Center. Did You Wash Your Hands is a production of 90.1 WABE Atlanta, where ATL meets NPR. You can reach us at washyourhands at wabe.org. You can find all our episodes in your favorite podcast app, where you can also leave us a rating and a review. And you can find more stories on the coronavirus pandemic at wabe.org slash coronavirus. If you haven't recently, now might be a good time to go wash your hands. I'm Sam Whitehead. Thanks for listening. From WABE Studios, the podcast where they read stories is a new children's storytelling podcast featuring notable Atlantans and performers reading classic and contemporary children's books. Each episode contains a story meant to entertain, inspire, and inform young listeners. No screens required. The podcast where they read stories features adaptations from both chapter books and picture books. Join us at wabe.org slash stories podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. W-A-B-E. Ever wondered where to find the best dumplings in town? Curious about Atlanta's obsession with lemon pepper? Join us on Savory Stories, a new podcast as we uncover the untold tales behind Atlanta's culinary scene. From the roots of your favorite dishes to the creators that bring them to life, we're diving deep into the heart of the city's food culture. Listen to Savory Stories at wabe.org slash podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. W-A-B-E.